What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tay. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. You know, it's something about bullying. Did y'all know that homicide predators are two times more likely than the victims of homicides to have previously been bullied by their peers? Yeah. Y'all need to chill the fuck out in the discussion group. So today, our players are Vanessa Bearden, our victim, Kobe Dukes, Vanessa's friend, Alicia Jeffries, Vanessa's friend, Gerald G. Rail Allen, Olivia's friend or like a nosy bystander, some nigga at the apartment complex, and Olivia Moody, our murderess. Olivia Moody was born in 1991 in Chicago, Illinois. Her mother was on drugs pretty heavily throughout her pregnancy, and after she gave birth to Olivia, she actually left Olivia in the hospital. So her grandmother took her in pretty much from the moment that she was born. When Olivia was eight years old, she was featured in like a Times article that was following her mother, who was on this path to sobriety. Um, Her mother was staying at the Genesis home, which was like a drug recovery center up in um, Illinois, and Though Olivia kind of doesn't remember this magazine encounter in this interview that was that was that she was having at the time, um, there is a picture that Olivia drew when she was that young, and it was a picture of her and her mother, and it was captioned "Best Mom I've Ever Had." Her family was really close, and her aunt moved kind of further away from where they were living, so uh, we don't know Chicago that well. But they moved from thirty seventh up to the hundred, so it sounds like a long way away. And Olivia's cousin, who was about six months apart from Olivia's age, she wanted her cousin to be closer. So eventually, Olivia's aunt, her aunt's name is Paul, Paula Moody, brought Olivia in, and Olivia stayed with her and her daughter. Though Olivia was bouncing around, she was very serious about one thing. She was extremely serious about school. Um, her grandmother said it, and Olivia often said it, that her education was the, her, was the key to getting out of the hood and the ticket to a better life, which we've heard pretty much all our lives. Um, she attended Mildred L. Lavizzo Elementary School and Percy L. Julian High School, where she participated in the science club, and she actually did a project about how drug Drugs and alcohol affect students in her community. She took her project to the area fair and she won. She competed in the city fair and even though she didn't win overall, she left that competition really decorated in honors. She was in the marching band in her high school and she loved being around her peers and she always loved a good book to read. I feel you, sis. She was known as like a happy, jovial person. Like most people wouldn't even know that she was dealing with a lot of things at home. Her former high school counselor said in a documentary, What Happened to Olivia Moody, Bully Not Broken, that he wrote recommendation letters for her for college and he had no hesitation to do it while doing so. Um, Her senior year of high school, she graduated high school in 2008 and her superlative was most school spirited. When it was time to start thinking about college, her band director sparked her interest in HBCUs. Of course, because they're the best. And she was very talented on the high school field, and he thought that she would thrive in an HBCU marching band. 
She continued to weigh her options and decided that she would attend the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Oh, no, no, no. You get the HBCU. The University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know how HBCUs, y'all put a the in front of everything. She received scholarships and financial aid to cover her college expenses and moved down south. She decided against joining the marching band, Marching the Musical Machine of the Mid-South, because she wanted to focus her time and energy on her goal to become a lawyer. She moved into her campus dorm in the fall of 2008 and immediately fell in love with the South. She noted in an interview how polite people are down South. She joined the Department of Social and Behavior Science to work on her degree in criminal justice. One of her professors noted that she was very opinionated in her class when they would have open discussion, and it was admirable. She worked hard and eventually got herself an off-campus apartment. Living off-campus showed her that UAPB and Pine Bluff were two totally different things. Pine Bluff was trying to... Pine Bluff was starting to remind her of life back in Chicago. She said she was surrounded by street people. Now, I don't know if I would necessarily call them street people, but uh, I'm from Lake Village, which is like down the street from Pine Bluff. So I'm pretty familiar with Pine Bluff. And it's, you know, it's the country. Ain't nothing there. And when niggas ain't got nothing to do, that's when everything goes south. So you know how it is when you get an off-campus apartment. Like, she was never really a partier. And a lot of people, especially those that went to PWIs, they think that an off-campus apartment is like, you know, like the ones that are ran by the school or they're only catered to students. Most of the time, at least the HBCUs that I have experience with, um, those off-campus apartments are apartments that are just inhabited by the people and you happen to have an apartment. So it's not no type of protection because, like, these apartments are specifically catered towards students. And Olivia, while she had an off-campus apartment, this is a great accomplish for, accomplishment for her. She was never really a partier. You know, she was doing her normal college thing, working hard in classes. She ended up picking up some part-time work at Rainbow at the mall. Shout out to Rainbow. And she even landed an internship at the circuit court. So she was like one step closer to her goal. She even found herself a little boo thing, which you guys have noticed he's not in the players because somehow he slipped through every type of... Um, Thing that his name could have been on but it's okay they yeah, were doing he's always referred to as her ex which i don't so her and this guy they you know cuddle up they like each other they're doing their thing they booze or whatever but they eventually break up because that's how it happens and he finds himself a new girl this girl's name was alicia jeffers and she just so happened to live in the apartment building across from the apartment building that olivia was in and this girl, she just, she wasn't satisfied with the fact that she already took Olivia's nigga. She, like, hated Olivia. Like, the whole, like, hating ex type of thing, which I don't understand. Like, you won. You got him. Here. Here he is. Um, This girl would, like, sit he on. He was still talking to her, though. He was still in communication with, with Olivia. And that's why I got a problem why this nigga's name isn't aired. Because it's just as much. Anyways. They could have been platonic, though, right? You can't be friends with your exes? Mm, you can be friends with a fuck buddy, but you can't be friends with an ex. And that's my stance on that. <laughs> um, so this girl, she would like sit on the porch and she would like just sit out and wait for Olivia to come out. And every time that Olivia would leave her apartment, she was literally like verbally taunting her from the moment she saw her to the moment she walked away. Like while Olivia's wa- crossing the street you just hear people yelling at you the harassment of olivia got so bad that olivia's friend and sister were like going to alicia like hey girl i don't know what beef you got with my girl but i'm gonna need you to chill the fuck out because every time we come over here you on the porch yelling and of course this solved nothing because that gets bitches yelling louder 
why she's still talking to my man. And it had been going on for months. On June 26, 2011, Kobe and Vanessa went over to the apartments to visit Alicia. As they pull up, they see Alicia and some of her friends hollering at some girl walking down the street. The girl yells back, I'm not worried about it, so what's up? Kobe says, the girl yells back, I'm not worried about it, so what's up? Kobe and Vanessa hop out the car and, you know, they go see what's up with their girl. And what do you know? She in the streets arguing with Olivia. Olivia and Alicia are going back and forth, and of course it didn't take long for things to get physical. Other people from the neighborhood gathered around because, you know, niggas love a good fight. I guess Alicia was getting her ass beat because Kobe decided to jump her ass into the mix along with some of Alicia's other friends. She only got a couple of licks in before a man named Brian Gady, a.k.a. KC, comes in and pulls Olivia off her. This is one of Olivia's friends. It turned into an 8v1 battle. But Olivia, you know, you got to remember she's from the hood. So she like, nah, nigga, because everybody out here got me fucked up. She breaks loose from Brian and runs up on Vanessa, who's recording the fight. Now, of course, Olivia tells the story a little differently because she says Vanessa ran up on her. And I'm inclined to believe her because in the video, you see her fighting Vanessa. So how can you record if you're being recorded? Right. Olivia and Vanessa box it out for just a bit before Brian pulls Olivia off again. This time he puts her in his car and he drives away. Alicia leaves somewhere away from her friends, but... She doesn't come back into this story. Kobe and Vanessa walk over to an apartment complex across the street to sit on this little fenced-in area in the shade. The two sat on a wooden fence, kicking shit, with the rest of the people hanging out over there. About 45 minutes passed since the fight. Vanessa spot a white Tahoe past them with Olivia in the passenger seat. The Tahoe is passing them back and forth several times before slowing down in front of the girl sitting on the fence. Olivia rolls down the passenger window and yells out, y'all come on, y'all come see me. And then the Tahoe drives off, according to Colby. So about 10 more minutes pass and a guy named Gerald Allen or G-Rail shows up. Olivia sent G-Rail to send a message to Colby and Vanessa. Jarrell said Olivia told him, go around and tell them to come around here if they still want to fight and jump me. And the girls was like, ain't nobody checking for you, Otis. So Jarrell goes back and he's like, listen, they ain't going nowhere. He's headed back towards Olivia and he stops in the breezeway, in the, in the back part of the breezeway where the girls are at. And Olivia is standing about 40 yards away. Vanessa gets up and she starts heading towards the breezeway behind Jarrell. But Kobe's like, uh-uh, girl, don't go over there. Something seemed fishy. Vanessa showed Kobe this little pocket knife she had stuck in, had tucked into her shorts, and she starts walking back towards Olivia and Jarrell. Jarrell tells Olivia the girls don't want to fight, and Olivia starts walking towards him. As she gets closer, he realizes that she has a gun. It wasn't until Vanessa was about three feet away from the breezeway that she also noticed Olivia had a gun. I bet she noticed. Olivia keeps walking past Jarrell, and he decides to lag behind and follow her. Kobe hears Olivia talking shit, but Kobe also peeped that she had a gun and she got her ass on. When Olivia and G-Rail reached the end of the breezeway, G-Rail noticed a few other girls who were sitting on the fence disappeared. They are now about six feet away from where the girls were, and he sees Vanessa running back and forth as if she doesn't know which way to go. Vanessa saw Olivia and turned to go into the other direction, but before she could get anywhere, Olivia had already pulled out the gun and shot once at Vanessa, hitting her with a bullet that entered through the left side of her back and exited through the right side of her chest. Mm. Olivia then turns and points the gun at a different girl sitting on the fence, and and G-Rail's like, live chill, she ain't had nothing to do with it. So Olivia said after seeing her laying on the ground with a hole in her chest, it hit her like, oh, shit, I really just fucking shot somebody. And I don't even know this girl. Like, this girl is just a friend of a friend that just happened to show up. So um, I see she got a hole in her chest. So I'm like, dang. Like, I just shot her. So I'm like, 
So now I'm looking around, ain't nobody around. So I'm looking like, dang, what I need to do? You know, cause it's like, it clicked, like it just got real. Um, so Kobe was hauling ass and Vanessa cries out like she just got shot. Of course, she's crying out. When Kobe looks back and sees Vanessa holding herself and running, Kobe keeps running and then realizes that Vanessa's no longer behind her. Like she, you know, kind of collapsed. She turns back and she finds Vanessa lying on her back, bleeding out. A minister was across the street, saw everything that happened because he was standing out on the church grounds. He comes across the street. He see he saw the earlier altercation. He comes to Vanessa and he tries to like give her CPR. But of course, it's not really working out. He said that he saw Vanessa make about five steps before she was shot by Olivia. And then immediately Olivia just like turned around and walked back down the breezeway. Before the ambulance could arrive, he actually also took the knife out of Vanessa's pocket because remember, she had that. Police arrive and Olivia is, of course, the number one suspect of this murder. They search her apartment, but of course, they find no weapons. They bring her in for questioning where she states that she'd been injured from the fight earlier that day. The detectives take photos of her injuries and from from the photos, they realize that, you know, she ain't that injured, you know? Like, of course, she got bumps and bruises. She been in a fight, but like, you ain't get stumped out you know what I'm saying so she was charged with first degree murder and she was freed on a $25,000 bond Vanessa's sister her name is Lacanya Anderson said that her sister never bullied Olivia and did not deserve to die she says quote whatever happened her life shouldn't have been taken away from her she shouldn't have died she shouldn't have been killed my six month year old nephew won't remember anything about his mother and that's what we have to tell him end quote She said that to know Vanessa was to love her. This week's episode is brought to you by Cake for Breakfast Company. Cake for Breakfast Company was founded by Natasha. And oh my gosh, you guys, I absolutely am in love with this website. Of course, this is a small black female owned business and they sell handcrafted, high quality, cruelty free, synthetic silk false eyelashes. They also sell accessories and plus size clothing. We absolutely love love the work that they're doing over there not only are their lashes beautiful they fit your face you know how you have to like clip them and try to make them fit sometimes you got to cut them in half you got to do the most to make your lashes fit you don't have to worry about that for cake for breakfast okay these lashes are coming with the highest quality and you know that you're getting something that's cruelty free you're getting something that is supporting a black owned business if you shop these clothing y'all these dresses are absolutely amazing because a bitch i love a wrap dress and these wrap dresses are giving life The accessories are absolutely gorgeous. They've been seen on TheKnot.com, Wedding Wire, and Why to Buy Local. So they ain't new to this. They true to this. I'm looking at some of their reviews on the website right now. And some of them are saying, what's not to love? They're extremely pleased. And that the lash adhesive glue actually works y'all stop using that weave glue but you mean i'm gonna i'm gonna release release y'all i'm gonna release y'all so that y'all can come to cake for breakfast and get an adhesive glue that's not gonna tear off them eyelashes okay make sure that you check out my girls at cakeforbreakfastcompany.com that's cakeforbreakfastco.com all of their information will be in the description box below. Make sure you check them out. Get you some lashes because I know y'all need them holiday photo shoots. Now, back to the show. While Olivia was out, she continued to attend classes and socialize. Friends raised nearly $10,000 for her defense, and she repaid them by graduating with a 3.6 GPA. They also raised money for Vanessa's mother, who was terminally, 
who has terminal cancer and was left with her daughter's young children to raise because Vanessa had two kids. On May 12, 2012, Olivia graduated with a criminal justice degree. Hours after graduating, Olivia pranced around her apartment still wearing her sass and tassel and explained what it meant to be a college student to her 19-year-old sister. She's like, it's now time to change. And she's like on a video giving a little speech. She's like, my undergraduate career is over and I must now live a graduate's lifestyle. I know that's right. That's how you feel right after graduation. You think everything going to go perfectly. Olivia was confident that she would be acquitted. So confident she turned down a plea bargain that would have prevented her from doing any jail time. Four days after graduating, on May 16th, her trial began. When the trial began, Kobe, Jarrell, the minister, and others testified on the stand. No, the prosecution argued that she was guilty of first-degree murder. The defense argues it was self-defense and she didn't shoot to kill. When Olivia gets on the stand to testify, she says Alicia and eight of her friends decided to jump her. She said Alicia was the only girl in the group that she actually knew. Olivia talks about how she was just minding her business and decided to take a walk to the gas station when Alicia and her friends decided to start bothering her again. I see Alicia, well, that's her name, Alicia. I see her and her friends at her apartment. So then one of them yell across the street like, hey, you want to fight Alicia? So I wave them off like anybody's stunning y'all, you know? Never said nothing to them, just whatever. So I'm steady walking. So by this time, I still hear them. They like, man, we should go jump on her. So by the time they got about three or four feet away, I stopped. So one of the girls was like, why are you messing with my friend, boyfriend, or I'm the one you was talking to on Facebook. So I tell them, I'm like, whatever y'all do, do not jump on me. So they crowded in front of me, and I'm about, again, three or four feet. That's when I see Vanessa. Now, this is the deceased girl. I see her, like, on the side getting ready to hit me, and me and her get to fight her. So then, while me and her fighting, it's like all of them just jumped in the fight. And at this point, I'm in the ditch on the side of the road, and they all just fighting. I don't know what's going on. I'm just down here trying not to get hurt. Then one of my other friends, he came and broke up the fight. He grabbed me off the ground. The whole time he pulling me away, these girls fighting him, hitting him, and all type of stuff. So I'm walking around at his car trying to get in the car. The girls go around the other side of the car, so we get to fighting again. So eventually I get in the car. So at this point I'm like, okay, ain't none of my friends around, so I'm going to need this gun to protect myself. She also argues that KC pulled her out in the fight and had her for a bit, but she broke free from his grasp and began to search for her keys, phone, money, everything, because the girls just had her. Olivia then says she tried to go home, but upon getting there, she peeped some girls from the front from the fight in front of her apartment. Somewhere in the mix, KC gave Olivia a gun. Seeing them trying to break in that girl's house and knowing I stayed by myself, it was like I needed something to protect myself. You know, had they have broken my house. So I just asked them, like, yeah, let me get a gun. And my intention was to sit it under my pillow, go in the house and do what I've been doing. But when they, um, like, after they jumped on me the first time, I left it alone because she had told me, like, yeah, before I leave, me and my friends going to jump on you. But I don't know. I don't feel like nothing in my demeanor told them that I still wanted to fight them. And because they were still there, let me know that it wasn't going to be over till they finished what they started. 
So I'm like, y'all not finna jump on me no more. So I held up the gun and I shot it. I didn't shoot to kill nobody. I didn't shoot at nobody in particular. Now in this clip, she's talking about they broke into the other girl's house. I don't know what other girl's house got broken into. There's no other mentioning of these robberies or whatever they did. But she returns to her apartment and she tries to enter through the back entrance because she's afraid of the group of girls on the street waiting to fight her. Olivia says she walked through the breezeway with a gun, confronted one of the girls who said, get her, and shot the gun trying to scare them, but ended up shooting Vanessa instead. When cross-examined, Olivia admitted that there was nothing in Vanessa's hand at the time of the shooting, and no one threatened her with the weapon. She also admitted that even though she had keys in her apartment, she did not attempt to go back inside. She did not attempt to go inside, but instead went back to the group of girls. Olivia says this is because she believes that they would have fought her anyways. She walked back over to say, fighting me because someone else is fighting me over a boy? That's dumb. On May 18th, 2012, 21-year-old Olivia, despite her efforts, was found guilty of second-degree murder and was sentenced to 30 years. She was sent to the McPherson Unit, a women's correctional facility about 100 miles northeast of Little Rock. Um, she could have done as little as six years, but the jury felt that it was a senseless, you know, it was a senseless crime, and they sentenced her to the max. They also felt... She should have known better because they're like, okay, you got a criminal justice degree. You're, like, actively studying this. You're you're interning for the circuit court. You know exactly what to do in, the in these situations. It was like you have no, there's never been a police support file. There's no record of you being harassed by these girls. And so it's really your word on it. But, I mean, that's really hard because if you're from the hood, even if you're trying to get better and you know better, Sometimes people be pulling you back to that hood shit. And and she even said, she was like, at the time, I wouldn't have described it as bullying. She was like, it just, these girls won't leave me alone. She was like, I, I wouldn't have put bullying to it, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So like I said, she could have done as little as six, but they went ahead and gave her the max. Um, they sentenced her to 30 years. Uh, with a minimum of seven and a half years before she could be eligible for, for parole. So her first parole hearing was back in April 24th of 2020. Friends and those that knew Olivia insisted that she was acting in self-defense and that that 30-year sentence was absolutely excessive. Like, even a 73-year-old retired Army veteran and businessman who provided financial help and other support to Olivia while she was in college said, quote, the girl had been threatened bullied and beat up before when this incident happened she was fed up with it so she instinctively did what she had to do i mean it was her instincts end quote a retired registrar at the college said she took a life and saved a life um they said this young lady was worth saving she should be out in society helping young people in chicago and other children from dysfunctional families during an interview olivia said quote my world has been turned around end quote i bet it has moody said with tears trickling down her face and she said in an interview and she said quote i tried to live my life as a model that you can be successful regardless of where you came from she said, having dreamed of becoming a lawyer and even a Supreme Court justice, it's hard to tell her little brother and sister that they can be better when she's sitting in prison. Like, she feels like she's a failure to them. Olivia felt that she was wrong, absolutely, but she was not guilty. She doesn't feel she should have been the only one punished because if they hadn't started the fighting and the harassing, this girl would have never been shot. She hopes to get out soon and <laughs> refuses she to... She basically said she asked for it. I mean... I just, 
gonna wait on that. But I mean, you know, she refuses to believe that she'll be in prison for thirty years. Um, as, she said at the time of this, she was like, "I don't even think I'm gonna be in here one year." Like this. I mean, she was sense. extremely confident, but like not taking a plea deal. I understand why you didn't want to take that plea deal because if you're and you want to go into law, and I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of the career paths that she wants to take are including background checks. So she was willing to take that gamble. But, you know. As far as her future plans, she says that she still plans on becoming a lawyer. But she feels like she's here for a reason while she's in prison. She says that she's writing a book about her life. And she's hoping and she feels like everything that she's gone through will continue to make her a better person. She now works in the field squad, picking okra, squash, and beans for free like a slave. Like, why is that prison labor? She, she of course, filed an appeal. Her attorney said this was not a case of Southern justice. Everyone in the courtroom was surprised by the verdict. Her high academic achievement and exposure worked against her. If she'd been less educated and a less accomplished person, then maybe they would have given her mo- more credit for acting out of emotion. In her appeal, she argues that, one, this should have been looked at as self-defense and that the prosecution didn't argue, didn't make a good argument against self-defense. Like, they didn't accept it, but they didn't do a good job at rejecting it either. She also says that they shouldn't have brought up certain texts or Facebook posts in a limited cross-examination, but it was one of those lawyer tricks, like, if I can get you to bring it up, then I can talk about it. So they was like, mm everything's still okay there um she gave she tried to give them on abusing discretion for not giving the jury proper instructions but they had the instructions and she tried to say that her sixth amendment right was broken or was violated because because she wasn't properly able to cross-examine g-rail she wasn't allowed to bring up that he was on probation, so he might have wanted some leniency from the state. She wasn't allowed to talk about g prior statement about the altercations leading up to the shooting. And she wasn't allowed to bring up g prior statement about how she acted out of self-defense. So she's kind of like, y'all tied my hands and then told me I couldn't prove it. Um... All in all, her appeal was denied in October 2014. Olivia's story still has been serving a purpose. A group of girls at Percy Julian High School, which is Olivia's old high school, put together a 15-minute documentary on bullying and highlighting Olivia's life. The title of their document is called What Happened to Olivia Moody? Bullied, Not Broken. Whew! All right, y'all. That is the story for today. I hope that you have learned something. Now it is time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have gotten away with it. I ain't do it, but if I did, I think I would have just, like, flashed the gun. Because as soon as people see a gun, especially if they're unarmed or if they only have a knife... They're going to run because it seems like everybody Most of them did. Run. It seemed like it was a, like, oh, got to go. Like, yeah. So. That's what I would have done. Um, I ain't do it. But if I did, I definitely feel like there was some more legalese or something that Olivia could have fell back on to try and handle this. But, you know, also niggas get punked out when they try and use the law. You know, they were like, oh, you're taking that shit to court. Oh, like a white man, you don't want to handle this in these streets, yada, yada, yada. 
Especially like in the country. Like they I, I wish y'all could understand how country Pine Bluff is. Like I just feel like as a college student being living off campus in a place that you really don't know, like it's it can be really difficult dealing with people that have been there their entire lives that I don't know the of course we don't know any backgrounds of these girls, but they weren't students at the school. They were around the same age and they were you know, not doing much. They weren't doing much with their life. And so when you do, when you enter in or you're dealing with people that don't really have potential and you're giving them your energy when, especially when they don't deserve it, like that just brings you down. And I think Olivia just got caught up in some bullshit. And I think I definitely would have, you ain't finna keep harassing me. I ain't, I am not about calling the police, but bitch, I will, I will file a report to get you to shut the hell up to know that I am dead ass serious. Like, that would be my final option, but also, I can't That's what I'm saying. Niggas in the street, they they take that as more ammunition. Oh, you want to do this? You want to do that? Bitch, touch me. You going to prison. Touch me. And she got everybody else touching her on her behalf. It's just, everybody needed to mind their business. Like, I also think that's real weak shit to jump people. Like... If you got to fight, you, you handle that shit on your own. And if you get your ass beat, you just get your ass beat. Yeah, that's how that shit go. And, yeah, bringing everybody else into this. Like, at the end of the day, I feel like the Alicia should have been charged, too, because you put your friend's life in danger. The fact that Alicia shows up nowhere else in the story, like, this girl wasn't even involved. And the nigga. Like, they don't even realize, like, fighting over a nigga because... I wouldn't have stopped talking. That's another thing I wouldn't have done. Olivia, girl, we got to stop talking to these niggas. We done with them. They got a new girl. Leave it alone. Because people don't like the exes. And, you know, for good That's reason, problem, I guess. I guess for good reason. But, like, sometimes it's, it's just, like, we don't work anymore. Niggas probably, he probably said some shit in her ear. Oh, it's not like that. You know we probably still, you know I still care about you, baby. All that bullshit. But, like, at the end of the day, fuck that nigga. He's putting his dick in something else like time to move on time to keep focusing about she has so much going for her and it's crazy how she went from graduating to jail in less than a week I mean like when I was in grad school I used to get so upset because one of my classmates would do very subpar work and if I did work on the same level as that classmate I would be I would get a worse grade because the professors were like we know your potential we know your capacity versus we know this person's capacity and it kind of sucks because it's like you're being punished because you you're doing so well or you're being punished because you know so much in this case she was being punished because she was very well educated on due process she graduated with a 3.8 in criminal justice so she knew exactly how to handle this situation properly but I don't think that they realized or they took into account that you know her background that this was her attempt at bettering herself she ain't all the way there yeah you know healing takes time yeah I think they could have definitely taken that into consideration parole or no parole Mm, she got denied for her first one Mm -hmm. she was up for parole what last year yep 2020 and she got denied I would have let her go Seven years is already a lot. Seven years is definitely a lot. I I think I would have let her go as well just because it seems like the entire story really, I feel like it was just rushed through the courts. It feels like the entire story really wasn't told um, properly. I think the problem with the story is it was all Alicia's friends and then G-Rail. So everybody who can be a witness to you is on Team Alicia, thus fourth Team Vanessa. 
and except for Jurel, who she can't even ask the proper questions to. Like, that's the only person on the stand on her side right now, and she can't even ask him the questions that she wants. So I think it's also a very good lesson in, like, you need to watch what you say to people. Like, you never know what potential somebody has, and sometimes people don't even know the potential that they have. You know, this case could have ended many different ways. This case could have ended in a murder or it could have ended in a suicide. Like, you, it's... That's the thing about bullying. It's going to affect somebody. It's going to affect somebody, and you never know how. And in this case, it was bullying by, with words while she was talking. But we've done cases where it happens on social media. We've done cases where people talk big game on social media, and, like, you don't understand how that affects people. Them girls don't have did, – did not care, had no idea what Olivia was going through, did not care, had no idea that Olivia had potential for great things in her life. All they gave a fuck about was – the fact that she was talking to her man just like some people on the internet are mad because you ask a question that really ain't no dumb question it was just a question so if you're listening to this you probably already know what I'm about to say that today is the day for you to start your podcast you have everything that you need your computer a little microphone and Spotify for podcasters it is the all-in-one platform where you can host edit and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere where you're listening right now you can have your podcast there i promise for real and it's free and you can make some money off of your podcast for free free money free money is out there just go get it by starting your podcast today streaming october 6th on paramount plus first place i learned about death was a pet cemetery dead things buried in that land would come back there's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount Plus. All right, let's get into some reviews. This one is from Young Broccoli. Shout out to you. Um, says newly obsessed found this podcast today and I'm feeling like I've been missing out on so much in this community talk about FOMO you're all right sis or bro you're all right young broccoli I promise take your time or you're gonna be like everybody else Matt they caught up I ain't getting nothing else um this one's from goat this is my first podcast that I'm actually interested in and I love it here so real and raw. Keep going. All right, y'all. That's the end of the show. This is what you get. Um, just so y'all know, next week, don't be expecting an episode. Spend the time with your families. Love on them. Prevent a murder. If you want to keep up with Sisters Who Kill, you can email us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Sisters Who Kill. Follow us on Instagram at Sisters Who Kill Pod. Follow us on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. And uh, that's all. Talk to us. We talk back. Bye.